Folks, you know how we do. We always have the heavy hitters here, and I'm so excited for this next guest to come on. This guy is, is doing so many amazing things in the Baltimore greater area. Uh, just I would say the whole DMV area. He has expertise in a lot of different areas, and he used to have his own radio show that was I used to watch, listen to every Saturday morning. I'm so excited. The next voice you hear is Mr. Tom Cole. We made a pledge to do what's best for the health of our communities, and we continue to deliver on it every day for every one of our members. With access to a network of over 1 million providers, rewards for living healthy, and more care options than ever, we are Care First Blue Cross Blue Shield, and we are changing healthcare for all that we serve. At Care First, it's not just our name, it's our promise. Welcome to the No Picks at the Dark Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. I told you, the heavy hitters here. The voice I told you about, Mr. Tom Cole, the voice of radio. How are you doing, sir? I'm, I'm doing great. It's an honor to be on the best podcast in Maryland. Uh, it's an honor to connect with you again after uh, having you on the radio show a while ago. And, and we were saying before, this is the first time we've met in person. So First time. Uh, yeah, great to be here. I'm, I'm thankful because I remember the kind words you said to me, said on the radio. And we had just hung up off the conversation, and my mom called me and said, you didn't hear what he said about you. And I said, what are you talking about? I just got done talking. And my mom's like, you really need, and like, that's why I was like, can I just send the audio? And and I want to say thank you for all the kind words and have me on your show. Um, I, I like to tell people, you know, there's a lot of gatekeepers in this world. And you gave me the opportunity to speak on a huge platform. So thank you for what you do. And yeah. giving that, and just giving that voice a cricket somewhere else out there, you know? Well, I mean, as I said then, Aaron, like the, the key about what you're doing and why I, I will always do whatever I can to elevate people like you. I mean, you don't need it anymore. And I don't even think you needed it then. But when, when you're trying to highlight good stories and good people, like that is a hard thing to do in a way that's popular. Like there's a lot of people trying to talk about good messaging and good people doing good things but it gets lost in the wash of, of all of the negativity because fear sells. And right. so I know what you're doing is challenging, but you're you're killing at it. So I, I don't think I did that much for you. I, I was happy to bring you to my audience when I had uh, the the radio show. Um, and I'm glad your mom was tuning in to, to hear uh, the good things said about her son. Mom did. So let's talk about you. This is I tell people this is your show because he he's also a podcast podcast host a former or I don't know I think did you get I mean, you get you retire Elevate is in semi retirement okay it's yeah. gone it I mean we still have all the equipment uh you know we still Candace and I were just talking on Twitter or X the other day <laughs> about like possibly bringing the band back together for for one go I don't know I mean it's it's in retirement right now got you got you so tell people a little about you what you do. And are you from Maryland? Sure. Yep. Yeah. I'm born and raised here in Maryland. Grew up out in Howard County. Uh, what I do, and, and I'm going to say the the big nasty word, I'm a lobbyist. You know, a lot of people <laughs> hear that. And what's funny is is uh, when I started doing this, people call it government relations. And, and government relations is still in my LinkedIn profile. But I feel like people have a bad reaction to the word lobbyist because uh, of all the rightful uh, bad thoughts about that. But 
I really do love what I do. You know, what I see the role as a lobbyist is taking the complexities of my client's work and matching it to the complexities of government and figuring out a way. And, and most of the time, I'm trying to find good ideas that my clients are trying to do and bring them to the lawmakers that are looking for good ideas. Mm. Um, there are certainly aspects of lobbying where the, things get really nasty and, and dirty. I'm thankful to say that that my work isn't in that space. Uh, I spend a lot of time focusing on housing. Anybody that follows me, and I'm still going to call it Twitter. I'm not calling it X. <laughs> Anybody that follows me on Twitter or LinkedIn or, or, or has read any of my articles, I've had some op-eds published in the Baltimore Sun, know that housing is my passion. And so I've been spending a lot of time, especially leading up to this next General Assembly session, focusing on housing, expanding housing, expanding housing affordability, and working with people that are being innovative in that space. And we're going to talk about that in the second part of the show. Cool. About housing, second the session coming up. We'll definitely get into that. We're going to talk about you. Let's, let's talk about you. Everybody right. likes talking about themselves. You're from Maryland, Columbia, Howard County yep. area. Where'd you go? So you know, you know what I say in Maryland? Where'd you go to high school? Oh, yeah. Calvary All Hall. that good stuff. Go Calvary Hall. Hall. Yep. And um, what, were, were your parents or anybody in your family... Were they into law? Were they? Did you see somebody that was like a lawyer or things of that nature growing up? Yeah. So my my dad was an accountant, and my mom, you know, she helped uh, around the house and was like a super volunteer. You know, she worked volunteered at Howard County General Hospital, did all kinds of great work in the volunteering sector, which has inspired me in a lot of what I do. Um, but how I got into the law was my dad was an accountant, very well connected in the professional scene. Uh, connected me with other accountants. I did speech and debate in high school. I was one of those cool kids. Uh, and I was terrible at it, just horrible at it. I don't. I think I won one uh, match the entire time I did it. But it, it just, th that was something that I liked being involved in. I liked debating public policy. I mean, I, I was following presidential elections when I was a freshman in high school, wow. like a Michael P. Keaton type of thing. <laughs> uh, so that, I, I've always had that interest in, public business. And uh, so that started from a young age. You know, I, uh, like I said, I went to Calvert Hall. Calvert Hall was a great experience for me. I probably would have, if I had it to do all over again, I would have stayed and, and gone to public school. I had gone to public elementary and middle school. And then I left all my friends to go off to high school. Um, then I went off to small liberal arts school in Pennsylvania called Lycoming College for undergrad and then went to Georgetown Law, came back, started practicing as a lawyer and Soon enough, doing what I'm doing now. That's a bad name in this room. You know that, right? Which one? Georgetown. Georgetown? Can't talk about that now. Oh, no. Syracuse? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I thought I saw your Syracuse stuff. That's right. <laughs> I'm teasing. No, it's always, always fun to tease Georgetown people. I have a lot of good friends with Georgetown, so... I it's mean, only... you know, Georgetown <laughs> is uh, looking up to Syracuse in most things nowadays. So. No, you guys, you guys have all... I always... My dad worked there a long time ago, so... Uh, I was nice. my first love, and then we moved around and ended up in New York. And I was like, oh, I like, I kind of like Syracuse. <laughs> Why do I, and I think about it, I was looking for snowing, snowing, four years, freezing, no snow days there. Yeah, there no, you go. No, there was no snow right. days. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, you went to law school at Georgetown. Were you, so even further back, were you a model United Nations? Uh, I'm curious about that. Was, was that, that around when you... So they did not have that at, at my school. Okay, that's yeah. why I was thinking, like, debate and whatnot. No, like, student government, all that, for whatever reason, like, that was not of interest to me. You know, they, they didn't have Model UN, but they certainly did have student government. Um, but, and also, being in Howard County and going to Calvert Hall, like, I rode a bus 
I rode a bus that was an hour and 45 minutes every day in the morning and every night. Yeah. Parents, if you're going to send your kid to a private school, you got to drive them. Don't put them on a bus for two hours a day. (laughs) But, but so that really interfered with my ability to get involved in a lot of activities or sports or anything like that. So I feel like you should be on that show. What was the show that was back in the day? That Richard Sherry used to do was like on Saturdays. Oh, this is your life. Is no, it? no. The thing, it was like all the like high schools. They were all. <laughs> oh, uh, it's academic. Yes, yes, yeah. I feel like you should have been on that on that show. See, you know, one you of know, my one of my favorite teachers was a coach for for the it's academic. Yes, team. Yeah. yes, that's what I was. I was thinking about, like that feels like you should. I been think on that. it's still around. I think is it's it? academic might still be around. No. It's just you got to wake up early to watch mm, it. No, <laughs> no. But, well, I get up. I have kids, but I, yeah, I'm not trying to get up for I'm that. With you, yeah. My kids aren't going to have that on TV. I love it so. Georgetown, you're like, all right, so when did you really like your first gig was it like out of college? Or what was it like? Was it, it wasn't lobbying, obviously, was it? No, it no. It was something so slow. Because you had to get there somehow. Away. Right. Give us, give us a little bit of that. So about came that. out of law school, had a lot of loans, uh, a lot of loans. Uh, and so I, I sort of did what's called having the golden handcuffs, where I was working for a, a large firm doing work that really wasn't for me. It was products, liability, defense, just it, it really was not aligning with my spirit in any way. Um, then worked for the government for a little while, worked for the Department of Defense doing security clearance law. Again, it wasn't a good match. Then I went and worked for a law firm in Baltimore City, Goodell DeVries, awesome litigation firm. Like really cut my teeth on how to litigate cases, love the people, love the work. Um, but then I ran for office. I ran for political office in 2014, House of Delegates, District 9B, ran against a gentleman by the name of Bob Flanagan, former Secretary of Transportation under Ehrlich, and, and it was the red wave. And I'm not going to sort of say I lost because of anything outside of my control, but you know it was not a good year to be a Democrat on the ballot. Mm-hmm. Lost that election. Probably the best thing that ever happened to me was losing that election. My daughter was born literally the day after the election. Um, and sort of looking at her being like, man, I almost gave up a lot of my life to be very far away. Um, but I knew I wanted to focus my, my business, my career in that political realm. Like even though I wasn't successful in my run for office, I knew that that was where my passion was. I knew that's what excited me. I knew, you know, and, and you know, this doing what you do, like when you're doing something that aligns with like your frequency, like it's not work. Like you need to remind yourself to get paid for it sometimes Uh because you would do it all for free if you didn't have bills to pay. And so going back, I was sort of looking and saying, how do I get involved with that? And I was very fortunate to have a friend who offered me a job in land use and zoning and land use and zoning. You might think, well, that's not lobbying. That's not politics, but it, it It is is. like, it's a hundred percent politics. And, and, I did that for eight years before I'm, I was in the job I was in now. And just more and more, like the, the best career advice I ever received was find the thing you love the most and try to make it more of what you do every day. Mm. And so I realized more and more that every time I was working on legislation, every time I was amending a bill or, or trying to get zoning regulations changed to make more sense for what was actually needed and, and all that, I was really like the day was flying by. And so in March, I had the opportunity to join the firm Perry White, Ross and Jacobson, really, you know, as far as I'm concerned, second to none in terms of what they do and and the firm culture and uh, how they treat people. And I've been there since March and and it's been amazing. So we'll leave that. We'll be right back, folks. 
So we're going to talk about everything that's going on for session, housing, why is that such an important thing for you, and more things. And then talk about Elevate Podcast, man. Let's bring it back. Let's, 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 do, a, let's do a reunion. Right back at these messages. When you give to United Way, your gift could be the first spark of something bigger. It can help someone find, interview for, and get hired for a job and provide follow-up services for success. It can break down educational barriers and give that extra help to a struggling student within school support programs. Give today. Spark something bigger. Are you or someone you love in need of mental health support? For All Seasons is now offering same-day therapy appointments with no wait list. Through the For All Seasons open access program, you can walk in for mental health services and begin therapy in the same visit. For All Seasons accepts all insurances and provides financial assistance if you need it. For therapy, psychiatry, or victim support, we have appointments available today. Call For All Seasons, 410-822-1018. And folks, we are back. We were Mr. Tom Cole. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I'm learning so much about you. This is exciting. Thank you so much for hanging out. Of course, man. It's an honor to be here. So let's talk a little bit about housing. Why is that so important? Why do people think it's that important? Because you really harp on the zoning and whatnot. Tell us a bit about that. Give the audience a little bit by why that is so passionate to you. Sure. Housing is everything. I mean, housing is environment. Housing is education. Housing is health policy. It all comes back to where you live. Uh, and I would say that housing is a place where we've sort of left the vestiges of segregation because it's socioeconomic segregation. Mm -hmm. And we have somehow accepted that socioeconomic segregation is okay. And it's not. And, and your destiny shouldn't be determined by your zip code. The, how I got involved in this was, you know, I, I, where I started was I was working with homeless men and women or men and women experiencing homelessness is a better way to put it. And understanding that things were so desperate, they were living in the cold, living in the woods, living in tents. Mm. Um, Maryland has a gross undersupply of drop-in shelter. And, and it was just so apparent. But if you're going about your daily life and you don't experience it, you don't, don't see it, it, you're not caring about it. But if you're listening to this podcast now and you're thinking like, is it okay that someone is sleeping in the woods tonight? Can I go about my life right now knowing that someone's sleeping in the woods right now tonight? You know, obviously some urgency is attached to it. Right. So that is what originally got me invested in it. And then over time, it was realizing, you know, I grew up in Howard County. I had a very privileged life because of growing up in Howard County. My parents were not rich. My dad built a very successful accounting firm, but he built that from pretty much nothing. But because of growing up where I did, I had opportunities available to me that are not available to people because of where they live. Mm. And then looking at it more and saying, well, the opportunities available to me have a price tag attached to them. That it's not just, well, I'll live in a smaller unit in that same area. Those smaller units aren't available. You are, you are excluded intentionally. Mm -hmm. And then the worst part about it is the government's doing it. Like this isn't something where, oh, too bad you can't afford to buy XYZ car or XYZ clothing. The government is sponsoring the segregation. It is by law that we've decided certain housing is illegal and certain housing is allowed. Mm. And that's gross. We, we should not 
have a government-sponsored system of segregation. Socioeconomic, racial, any way you cut it, that should not be something the government should be involved in. My government, my tax dollars should not be pay someone to say, no, you can't build an apartment there. That's only for someone that can afford a half of an acre. That's only for someone who can afford a single family detached home. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the schools that the kids go to from that house are paid for by all of us. Right. Not just us in Howard County, but also everyone in the state of Maryland. Right. Every taxpayer in the state of Maryland is paying for these blue ribbon schools that are getting all the best accolades on uh, the internet. And and so the, the more I paid attention to it and the fact that, and, and then also the last part is, this is the Democratic Party's biggest vulnerability mm. in that, the people who put up the yard signs that say hate have no hate has no home here it also says neither do you mm. because you can make yourself you can wrap yourself in a big blanket of progressivism and pass every progressive law you want but if you make it so the people that would benefit the most can't live there you haven't done anything. Well, wouldn't that be called NIMBYism? You, you're not in my backyard? Exactly. I mean, and, and it's actually worse than NIMBYism now because mm -hmm. the NIMBYs that we see now are not about, don't put that in my backyard. And really, mm -hmm. like, there, there is some empathy available for those that are saying, hey, I don't want a solid waste management plant in my backyard. Mm -hmm. I don't want a commercial center in my backyard. I don't want headlights from this large parking lot shining into my house every single night. That's the origin of NIMBY. Mm -hmm. But where it is right now is a property value pr preservation principle of saying, if you allow a different housing type into my community, that is going to make my housing type less exclusive mm -hmm. and it's going to make my property values go down. Or even worse, if you increase the supply of housing, the benefit I get from a supply-constrained market goes away. Mm -hmm. And so I want to make it as desperate as possible. I want people to promise home sellers that they will name their firstborn whatever they ask them to. True story, that happens if they <laughs> sell me their house. Mm. Because then I can charge a premium on my house when I sell it. Wow. Yeah, wow. I mean, it's I call it, you know, and this is an overused analogy, but, but the red pill analogy. Like, once you start looking at housing, you can't not look at it anymore. Right. And, and I also say, more and more, this is going to be a generational thing where younger voters who were promised that if they made a certain amount of money and they did everything right, they'd be able to own a home and that home would then set them on the path for retirement where they would have some sort of nest egg that they would be able to rely on. That's gone. Not anymore. That doesn't happen. If you don't own property right now, it, you probably will never own property. And, and I hate to say that. And I like to think that I work every day to make sure that that's not the case. But unfortunately, with mortgage rates being what they are and with property values increasing the way they are, it's this, the, the system's broken. Right. And, and we need to fix it. So what was your thoughts about, I haven't really looked into it too heavy, but the, the Bramble drawings and sketches for downtown Baltimore. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I take a little bit of pride in that. I think me giving Dan Rodericks a bunch of guff on Twitter had him change uh, <laughs> his complaints about luxury apartments <clears throat> to now being high-rise apartments because okay. lu luxury is a branding term. Mm -hmm. But listen, we need housing. Right. And there, there is a principle that I 
sort of base everything else around, which is legalize housing. There's no reason why we shouldn't have housing incorporated into everything we're doing. Right. Now, what I don't want is I don't want the continuation of socioeconomic segregation in Baltimore City, where if it's new and shiny, there's you have to make a certain amount of income and you can come into it. But the older housing stock and the communities that have been subject to disinvestment, they continue to be excluded. Mm -hmm. That's what I don't like. And I think that the Baltimore City Council did a good thing with their inclusionary housing principle. Um, that said, more housing supply is better for everyone because we want there to be a home buyer or renter favorable market. Mm -hmm. And that means a bunch of things to choose from. Give the leverage back to the person that's going to live in the space, mm -hmm. not the people that are owning the space. Right. So what David Bramble is doing, you know, I, I also, I'm on the board for the Maryland Science Center. Having more people living at the Inner Harbor, like, I'm sorry, folks, like, it was not working even when it was, quote, working. Like, having those pavilions, retail is dead. Like, or... There, there are some people saying retail is coming back, but I would ask most people, look at your last five retail purchases. Were they on your phone or a computer or were they in a shop? Because chances are they were on your phone or on your computer. Facts. And in order to make retail thrive, you need apartments. Right. You need housing next to it. So I, I think it is all to the good. And I would also say that, and this is where I get a, a little bit of blowback, but this person is putting their money at risk mm -hmm. for a vision. They should be allowed a little bit of deference when they're putting their own capital at risk. If this fails, if this is a bad idea, David Bramble and his company lose a lot of money. Right. And so there obviously should be public input, public participation, and that should inform the process undertaken by the developer. But people also need to understand at the end of the day, someone else owns that land. Someone else is putting their capital at risk. And yes, some of it is, Parkland, as uh, many are saying, but we we all want to see a thriving inner harbor. But the person that is gonna want that the most is the one that has their money up at risk for that. You know, I like that because you're something that I, I watch Twitter. And I don't comment on Twitter because, like, I just don't have time. <laughs> Good I don't for have you. I don't have the patience for it. I don't. I just don't have it, and I just, I just don't. But a lot of people were upset, and I actually made one comment. I said. Hey, I like the wharf in DC, mm -hmm. and they actually have people who have low income living there. Actually, yep. so and you really would if you go down in the wharf right now, you would never know, right? And you would never know. You, it, it blends in so well, and every time I've been down there, maybe a Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, it's packed. Yep, people are down there. There's hotels. Mm -hmm. There are people are walking around. Why can't then I got the guy? I got a little blowback. Guy said, "Well." It's, it's too expensive. Like, no, it isn't. DC is what a DC is. <laughs> Baltimore's going to, Baltimore won't be that. We hope to aspire to get our money that, but people are down there. Guess what? People come visit these people. They don't have to go anywhere. They can go get food downstairs. Mm -hmm. They go shopping downstairs. That's, it's right now. And I'll be truthful. I don't go downtown like I used to. Right. I don't, there's no reason for me to go downtown right now. Yeah. There's no, I mean, I just don't go. You have to have so how do mass. I get, how do you get people like myself, myself who has kids to get back down there? Mm -hmm. What makes me, I'd rather right now drive to the wharf in DC and walk around and show them something than what we have down in the Harbor. 
I don't think people understand that. Understand for me. So people build culture. Right. The more people you have in a place, and the mm-hmm. more you have them interacting with one another. You know, there there have been many sociology books written about this, but it's also just something you experience in real life. Mm-hmm. If you have a better concentration of people, better things happen. Right. Which is why cities are magical, and that's why Baltimore City, where how our communities are set up. We have pockets mm-hmm. of amazing culture, but the Inner Harbor has not been one of those places <laughs> because it's been very artificial. Mm-hmm. And so how you make that non-artificial is by having people live there, make right. that their home. Right. And not just the very pretty condos that you know Kevin Spacey lives in, but <laughs> like places that real Baltimoreans, and, that, and that's another reason why inclusionary housing is an important consideration here is because you want to make sure that Baltimoreans can afford to live in this space. Um, And I'm very confident that David Bramble and his team will be pulling that in because of all of the public participation and the fact that this is Baltimore City land that's being incorporated into the project. Correct. Session 2024. Yes. What are you looking forward to? What are some things that people who are listening should be looking out what are some things going forward? So first and foremost, Governor Moore has been telling people it's the year of housing. So I'm excited about that. We'll see what that is and how that's set up. You know, uh, the one thing I always focus on is the Rental Housing Works program. That's a critical program for uh, expanding subsidized affordable housing. And so for those of you that are interested in affordable housing and some of the things I've been saying, please Google Rental Housing Works. There was a great editorial about it in the Baltimore Sun a few months back. But I would say on a more general sense, the number one thing people should be watching is this is a bad budget year. Right. We, we have some bad revenue projections, um, and that is not because of anything that the governor did. This is just we've had an economic slowdown uh, paired with inflation, so things are more expensive, but we have less money to pay for them. Uh, and then in addition to that, we have the blueprint for Maryland's future, which is a very important uh, you know, groundbreaking educational policy that the General Assembly passed, but is very expensive. And is that the Kerwin? Is that the is that that's the Kerwin? Yeah. Kerwin so that, that that's the the statutory name for what the Kerwin Commission recommended. Right. And, and it's I probably should just say Kerwin because that's how people refer yeah, to that's it. The, yeah. <laughs> um, and and so right now there's a debate happening between local governments and state government where local governments are saying we can't afford to meet our obligations under uh, the blueprint and the state is saying well we can't afford to make the difference Mm. and it'll be very interested interesting to see how that goes forward because i i understand that the governor as he should be is reticent to raise taxes um and there's only so much you can move things around to make that revenue so that's that's a big thing to focus on this next session. I think that that's going to take a lot of the uh, a, attention uh, of Annapolis and the people that follow Annapolis. Uh, but I trust this General Assembly, you know, the leadership we have with uh, the Speaker and with the Senate President. These are great leaders that are invested in their communities, that are good problem solvers. And with the governor and his team, um, it, it's it's going to be a session uh, that that is very different than many of the ones we've had previous, but I trust the leadership that we have to get it done. Because I remember at Mako, one big theme came out was like, "Hey, we're going to strap our boots up a little bit. That excess money does not exist anymore." Yep. 
and we have to really look at everything and does it make sense? And the good thing about this governor is that there are two options you can take there. One is cut down to the bone and hope everything works out. The other one is to look to try to expand the economy. And Governor Moore has said over and over again, including in his very first budget press conference, that he is looking to expand Maryland's economy Mm -hmm. and to grow in biotech. I mean, we have Johns Hopkins University here in Baltimore City. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no reason why we should not be the biotechnology capital of the country, if not the world. And I expect that one of the ways Governor Moore is going to look to address the budgetary shortfalls that are being projected is to expand the economy to bring in more revenue uh, and do it that way instead of cutting down to the bone. Right, because I know we just become became a tech hub now. That's right. And that's a lot of Big money deal. coming into yes. Baltimore. Yes. So that's another thing that affluence of money is coming in. So, like, I, again, I, I, I agree that it's going to be a lot of changes here. Yes. And I know that, I mean, you're looking forward to, like I said, you said housing is going to be important, but where's the money coming from? That's, And I'm curious where all this is coming from. Um, and again, the governor and I, well, I, I spoke the other day. I said, hey, someone was like, we'll get you back on the, on the show and talk about what's going on. Oh, I know, he, I know he'd be back. I oh, know yeah. he'd be back. He's I mean, gonna... the, the cool thing about housing, though, real quick, is that a lot of the things that we need to get done can get done without costing a dime. Okay. Like, my view is that subsidized affordable housing is something that we need more and more today because we've messed up the other end of it. We haven't created enough supply, so we need to pay more per family that we're housing because they don't have the income necessary to to house themselves. Mm -hmm. And I am optimistic. I mean, Secretary Jake Day, the Secretary of Housing and Community Development, really just such a visionary pick by the governor to uh, you should have jake on he your was show. on my show oh, at, okay. uh, at uh mml all right well have, have, have him back have all him right back. definitely um because he is such a visionary as as you experienced you know and he is very bold in this space mm. and with governor moore being uh the courageous governor that he is I think that they're going to take on a, a lot of those things. So I would say, yes, we need money for rental housing works. Um, and I'd also add that, you know, I think it's something like eight. There's an $8 return for every dollar invested. And that's because of jobs mm. created and all of that. But nevertheless, there's a lot that we can do that doesn't cost any money. I like that. I like that. What do you want people to walk, talk away from this conversation you, we had today? Like things that you, you mean, we know housing. We know the session's coming up. I mean, this, I mean, this interview will be out. When session starts, uh, you know, people are going to be looking at it. They're going to be like, this guy was on session. They're going to be following you now. Because they're gonna be like, What's going on? Like, you know, what do you want people to take away from this, this our conversation today? What's yeah. Like- I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, I also teach a class at UMBC on grassroots community advocacy. And mm-hmm. one of the things I tell my students there that I'd say here is like, don't presume that your presence isn't necessary. Mm. Don't presume that your voice isn't necessary. Um, if you care about something, even though it looks opaque and it looks difficult to approach, there is a place for everyone to participate in state government. Mm. And it, 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 there is a learning curve. You do need to get up to speed. But you know, with people like you educating folks, and you know, there's a lot of great resources out there. I would just encourage people that if they do feel, I would say, disempowered, 
if they do feel excluded, um, to encourage them to figure out where they fit in, even if it is just attending meetings and listening to people um, or, or spending a, a few weeks dedicating yourself to reading about state news, state politics, their voice is important. And I tell people, I, I will tell you that I normally try not to get into politics because it's not a polit pol pol political pod. But what I'm seeing now, mm -hmm. <clears throat> 2024 could be a real big year nationally. Oh, yeah. And I don't think people understand that national money can trickle down to your local level. Mm -hmm. And we don't see it. We're like, oh, we don't care. We don't care. That's up there. That's it. It does affect you. Yep. And I know we have a lot of things that are going on the local level that somebody asked. I remember an interview. It was on TV. They said, what if Joe Biden does not get reelected for all this money for transportation? What happened next? Mm -hmm. And Westmore, Governor Westmore looked at the guy from uh, the cabinet. Guys, Joe, Joe Biden will win again. <laughs> and that was a good question because I'm glad somebody, yeah. I wanted people because I need people to understand Whatever way you lean left, right, green, yellow, I don't care what you do. There's implications of a lot of things happening. Yeah. And all this money that they you may want for Baltimore and transportation, housing, federal money is, can get you that money. But a lot of things can change in November. Uh, and it can be taken away. And to add to that, Aaron, like another thing is, is whatever your priorities are, don't presume that they're the pri pri priorities of your elected officials. Right. Like when you talk about transportation, like nobody lives your life but you. Right. And so whether it be a, you know, Aaron, you and I were in a crosswalk walking across. Right. Someone advocated for that crosswalk. Right. Someone said, we want that crosswalk there. Right. It wasn't just decided by someone that read some formula and said, this crosswalk belongs here so right. we can talk as grandiose as the red line but we can also talk about hey my street's dangerous right like we can talk about my kid's bus stop isn't where it should be mm -hmm. like those things that are very much and and to your point about politics that's where politics matters the least like i always describe national politics versus local politics as a zipper the higher up you go, the further apart you are. Right. But as you get closer down to the nitty gritty of sidewalks and stop signs, nobody's a Republican or a Democrat. You know, right. you could talk about funding and where the money comes from. But when it comes to those very practical issues, there is no partisanship. It is just about the very practical experience of how people receive their government. Hey, you, you, you said it all right there. I'm good with that. So I'm going to let you off the hook. There's a speed <laughs> round. There's a speed round here. Okay. All right. All right I'm ready. All right. All right. Sorry. So I know I, I know this a little bit CrossFit or Orange Theory. CrossFit. I know you're a CrossFit guy. I just did it this morning. That's why I'm I said still, that. You're still a little guy. winded. Yeah. <laughs> Best Super Bowl halftime performance. Oh, Prince. That's my favorite one too. Nah, I mean, I don't know how playing in the rain. Like, come on, Can't there, there is not a better one. <laughs> Every other answer is wrong. Snowball or ice cream? Ice cream. Chicken wings. Chicken wings, is it flat or drums? Flats. Blue cheese or ranch? Blue cheese. Oh, man. <laughs> Folks, where can we find that? Where can people find you? Where can people find you, locate, reach out to you, DM you, an X, whatever you want? Where can they find so you? So I'm going to call Twitter again. It's at Hoko Rising uh, is where you can find me on Twitter. Also very active on LinkedIn now that I'm expecting Twitter to crash and burn any yeah, day now. Uh, but yeah, those are the two primary ways to find me. And I, we really appreciate you taking time out, hanging out with us in Northeast Baltimore. 
Um, and bro, I really want to do something. I really want to elevate for you guys. Let's we we got to bring elevate let's, back. Just let's for you. do a live show All in right. Columbia. Yeah. Maybe Done. we'll do Elevate with you on your platform. Let's do it in Columbia. Let's do it right. Columbia. We'll do it. And have an audience. Done. Have some fun. Just like have fun with it. I'm going to text Candace as soon uh, as I get out Listen, I got, I got my producers. We're ready to go. We're right. turnkey. Yeah. We will come up we'll there. We'll set up all, a bus, boys. Yeah. And let's, do, let's have fun. All right. Because I think people, you guys were an instrumental voice. And I remember listening to you guys. I remember like respecting what you guys did and give us. You gave me some insight of the things I didn't know about and helped me learn. So those voices aren't always out there. And we don't have any in, Baltimore, in Maryland right now. I appreciate Just so you know, that. we don't. I appreciate it. Because there's really not a political podcast I listen to in Maryland. All right. Well, maybe we'll I'm just starting. I'm just, I'm just putting you on the spot right now. <laughs> I'm just saying how. I got a partner. I got to ask her. This is how great this show was, folks. And it was really good and a lot of information. They had really great guests. Um, and, you know, I would love to do something fun where we could do a medley of guests where you have Calvin Ball, the county executive drop in. Maybe Johnny O drop in. I like just, it. I think it would be a cool, like, just an hour thing. There's people dropping in. And you guys, we just have fun. Yeah, I'm down. All right, folks. On that note, love, peace. We're out.